Welcome to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan and Mike the Grizz, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. Well, are you ready to go at it again, John? Oh, man, that was so much fun. I tell you what, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about doing this show is that uh, I get to learn so much every week. You know, there's all these critters and animals and techniques that I've never seen or even heard of. Well, the thing of it is, John, if they don't have something to offer, we don't have them on the radio. We can't <laughs> learn from them. Yeah. We're not like a bunch of old women just sitting around gossiping. We want to learn something. Well, Chris, you know, you and I have talked, and what we want to do is, you know, we want to give people that enjoy the outdoors the opportunity uh, to hear about things that they don't even know about. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what Fish Talk Radio is all about. Yep. Yeah, and that was interesting about the that elk actually have a, their eye teeth or ivory. But yeah, it, it's a really big deal on the Indian reservations. Yeah, because it's measured as well. So I mean, they put it around their necks, and you know, I I've got a whole jar of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Every time I shot a bull elk, I uh, pulled the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. My dad had a big jar of them, too. But there's only two teeth on the elk that are like that, right? Right, exactly right. Okay. Um, and, all right, so we're gonna we're getting things organized right now. But, yeah, uh, there's two, two teeth. Uh, they're on the upper jaw on each side, one on the left, one on the right, in the same place. That a canine would be. Yeah, and apparently, from what it sounded like originally, they were tusks, and I guess through uh, the period of time, they kind of evolved into just teeth. Well, that's what it was me. Yeah, <laughs> I used to have tusks. <laughs> okay. and I had to go to the dentist and pull them out. Okay. I kept biting my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Grizz, we're going to take a break and uh, let's see who we can come back with and talk to. But we've still got some exciting stuff coming up, so stay tuned to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com anytime and listen as much as you want. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through AFTCO. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for AFTCO at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. 
For your outdoor adventure in the West, CalParksCO.com is required. CalParks has 24 prime locations for camping, fishing, or boating. Shasta Trinity Recreation Area is breathtakingly beautiful with all amenities, offering the best camping in California. California's largest reservoir, Diamond Valley, is just 90 miles from Los Angeles or San Diego, designed for an incredible fishery. At Silver Falls Lodge in Oregon, no need to rough it. Stunning beauty and first-class accommodations. Whatever your desire, CalParksCO.com has it. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Well, John, are you ready for some more great, great guests? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it gets any better, but you know, like I said, we really enjoy bringing our audience um, adventures that they may not have even, even thought about. And not only can they hear about it, but that if they want to, they can do it. Well, that's, that's the whole idea of this show, is to put new things on. I mean, everybody goes out and shoots a rabbit, a white tail, and a turkey. But let's get into something that's fun, doesn't cost a lot of money, the experience, the adventure. That's what it's all about. Well, And that's what we're out there doing. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, I believe we have Brian on the line uh, waiting to come on and talk to us for a little bit. Brian, you there, buddy? Oh, great, Brian. Brian, you're an expert fisherman. Well, I don't know about if I'd use the word expert, but uh, I do do my fair share of fishing. Well, one day you and I are going to throw a fly together. I guarantee you that. I've already called my boy. We're heading to Mexico here soon. <laughs> Let's go sooner than later. to hang out with you. Yeah, it's it's a little bit warm right now. You might want to wait a week or two. But uh, um, it it I I love Baja, and uh, of course I've got a condo in Cabo San Lucas that uh, maybe we can put you up in. And Grizz has got a couple of places in La Paz, and you know between us, you know we can take good care of you. Well, we're gonna find out because we're coming. Have you ever been there? 
I have not actually. Uh, not only do I want to meet you guys firsthand, but I don't. Uh, I don't say no to opportunities like this, especially in areas that I haven't uh, adventured to. Well, so I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. Well, I, I tell you what. You know, I um, I am a permanent resident of Mexico. Yes, I think Grizz is also in a mm-hmm. pro- yeah, I've been property here down there. Three years. Well, you got me beat by. Actually, I think the first time I went down to Cabo was about thirty-three years ago. But, but anyway, but uh, uh, you know, the, there's a first of all the fishing. The Sea of Cortez is known as the aquarium to the world, and you put your line in the water, you never really know exactly what's going to happen. But, but frequently something does. But I, I, not to get aside too far, but one of the things I enjoy about Baja is the people. Um, you know, I've had many instances where uh, Grizz chides me about my old van that I've got down there. He tells me to junk it. But uh, there's been more than one time where I had a flat or something alongside the road, and I guarantee you no more than three cars would go by without someone pulling over, without you flagging them down and say, do you need some help? I mean, it's just a whole different world. But You know uh, what? And that's, uh, you don't see that a lot these days, to be honest with you. It's see a little it bit all. unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, if you're on the highway here and you, you know, we had a flat tire and pull over there, you know, there's, there's no chance anybody's going to stop. No well, and you probably shoot. wouldn't want half the people to stop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway. Right, let's, let's talk about what you yeah. do, buddy. You know, what I do is uh, I take people on adventures, and um, I prefer to, you know, really the person I like adventuring with the most is my friends and family. You know, as you know, God fishing, that's what we do is we're booking agency for fishing trips. But more importantly, it's uh, kind of what led me to that um, industry was doing these things with my friends and family, particularly my son, and uh, enjoying those adventures and now just wanting to pass them on to others so that they can experience them. Well, we can help you with that. I know you can. He's quite honest with you. I love fishing down there, but, you know, I'm almost disappointed when a marlin grabs my line uh, because that's not – I've cut enough marlin that, uh, you know, that there are fingers and toes, but – you know, they, you fight them for 45 minutes, which is fun, then you let them go. But there's just, uh, you know, I prefer catching tuna and dorado. Uh, and then, of course, re- recently there's been a lot of big groupers and still some Sierras. Mm. But it is, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's so inter- amazing because the water is perfectly clear. And you can you can read the date on a, on a quarter at 30 feet of water. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Brian, tell us about what you do. What kind of, what's your favorite fishing? You know, I was just going to say, you guys have invited me down. I'd like to invite you guys up here to Idaho sometime to experience some of our um, steelhead fishing. Um, As I think I was talking to you, Grizz, earlier, I was born and raised in Montana, so I was, you know, born and raised around trout streams and lakes and rivers and that's really where I cut my teeth was on um, uh, fly fishing for trout. And when mm-hmm. I came over here to Idaho from Montana, I got to experience what it meant to go steelhead fishing yeah. and uh, for those ocean-going trout. Uh, Brian, and, I, I, I used to have a, a, a house in Sun, Sun Valley or, or Ketchum. There you and, go. Yeah, I used and, to live there myself. Mm-hmm. And where, where are you in Idaho? We're in Boise. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's just yep. down the road. Yeah. 
the, well, you have a lot of access to go anywhere you want. The base of the Sawtooth yeah, is straight north. I actually so, lived, I lived in Sun Valley for a little, and then I moved over to McCall. Mm-hmm. And I spent about seven years in McCall. And McCall is actually only about 45 minutes from the Salmon River. Yep. And uh, that's where I got to start experiencing the uh, steelhead fishing. Yeah. Well, I've steelhead fished in the Salmon, the South Fork. But uh, very, but we're not going to talk about How that right you, now. How uh, do you steelhead fish, Brian? Are you a fly purist or... You know I am. I've done it both. You know, I've bounced off the bottom. I've done some bobber and jigging, but uh, I definitely prefer to swing a fly or or even drift some beads with a fly rod. But um, I'm most interested in hooking up um, when I've got a five or an eight weight in my hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you have to run down the bank to follow it. No kidding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some. So for, for your steelhead, are you fishing a nine weight? You know, I, I usually go out with an eight weight. Uh, I do have a spay rod. We, on the Salmon River, we have the main salmon, which is a pretty big body water. I typically will throw a spay rod there just because, obviously, you get to work more of the water. Uh, and then we also have the little salmon, which is a much smaller, tighter river. Not, not, uh, a spay rod's not needed. Uh, and so I use an eight weight on that. But we've even had some seasons that have been so epic. I've caught so many fish on the eight weights that I've actually turned to the five weight. And uh, I'll tell you what, that is absolutely an incredible experience. First three that oh, I brought I on, imagine. literally I lost in two seconds. You got to kind of, kind of, you know, it takes a second to figure out how to fight a fish like that on a five weight. But once I got it figured out, it, uh, well, what it was incredible. Well, what are you using on a five weight? Say that again. I'm sorry. What size tippet do you use on a five weight? You know, I, I'm typically throwing 12 pound, um, but uh, depending, we again we have two runs of, of steelhead over here. We have what's called the A run and the B run, and so an A run is a two year fish. It's going to be a little bit smaller. I'll, I'll throw you know 10 to 12 <laughs> there. When we fish for the B runs. We're using probably 15. Hmm. And a lot well, of the 15 is awful big on a five weight. It is, but what we ha- you're not going to bring it in otherwise because not only do you have the power of the fish, but you've got the power of the fish with the current. And uh, right. in the spring, those waters pumping. And so if they get in, they get in the current, it is very difficult to bring them back in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, five-way is a, is a heck of a rod. I used to fish the Orville Spring Creek five-way a lot. Okay. But I never went for a steelhead with it. Chris, we only got about 30 seconds left in this segment, so let's uh, see what All we right. can do. Well, 30 seconds. Tell us uh, about how to get a hold of you. I know you got to run. So tell us how to get a hold of you, please, Brian. You know, we're asking people, just check out our website. It's gotfishing.net. And uh, we've got quite a portfolio of trips, you know, from Alaska to Bolivia to Mexico to Belize. Um, I think we've got something there for everyone. And uh, if not, we will find you the trip of a lifetime. So check no. out our website and get a hold of us. Did you say .fishing.net? Yeah, got. Oh, got fishing. Okay. Yep. Just like the old milk commercials, got milk. Mm-hmm. This is Got Fishing, G-O-T-F-I-S-H-I-N-G.net. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I understand you got something to do, so we'll, I'll try to get you back on the radio. Maybe not, not next week, but the week after next, but I expect you to come down 
and throw some flies with me for those big boys in the ocean. Well, yeah. It's not a five weight, a 15 weight. No, no. You got a 150 pound fish, you're not using a five weight. But anyway, all right, we appreciate that. We're going to have to run. You're listening to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. The best wing shooting is in Nayarit, Mexico. It's absolutely incredible and is only $2,650 U.S. per person. Includes four nights lodging, three days hunting, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, transportation, bird boys, cleaning and packing of all birds. You'll even be provided, free of charge, a quality shotgun over and under or automatic, either a Beretta or Browning. Three cases of shotgun shells. Even the tips are included. Bird season starts soon, so book your adventure today. Contact support at thegrizgear.com. That's support at thegrizgear.com. Or call 434-953-8598. That's 434-953-8598. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn, located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides. And the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Hey, Grizz, I'm so confused. I don't even know what's going on. Why don't you explain it to us? You never do, John. You never do. So just, it's normal. Yeah. We got Matt on here and we got Brian. Brian is a great fisherman, trout fisherman, and uh, fly fisherman, steelhead fisherman. Then we got Matt, a retired serviceman. Who is, I understand, in charge of the European market 
for hunting. Am I right, Matt? That's correct. I got yeah, something uh, right, didn't I? <laughs> Tell us, Good Matt. job, Grizz. Well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a quick question about um, hunting in Europe. The United States has a tremendous resource of natural parks and, and open wildlife, but from what I understand about Europe, depending on where you are, um, they don't have that, and most of the hunting is on private preserves. And Can you kind of give an idea about what it's like to hunt in Europe? Sure. Um, so I would first semi-agree. You are correct that there is... there. There is no public land, but there are huge parks and national preserves and conservancy areas, but there is no public land where you can just buy an over-the-counter tag and walk out and hunt. It is all controlled by the state or the federal government, uh, and then that is subdivided up into leases. Um, depending on the type of game, they give you a quota, and since there's no cats, dogs, or bears anymore in the last 150 years, at least in Western Europe, um, that leaves you as the primary predator uh, to take everything from fawns, does, bucks, or stags, and everything in between. It's up to you for all the predation. So you're allowed a permit to basically do a depredation hunt? Uh, Predation. So basically what I mean is if you were to take a lease, for example, you could pay to play, go with the guide, hunt with him for a trophy hunt, um, or you can help him with his culling. But since there is no big cats, no bears, no wolves, only some foxes that could potentially eat uh, young roe deer fawns, um, then you are required to ensure that your forest has a healthy balance of animals and you're given a plan by the forest meister or whoever's running the forest in that area that you are required to take, for example, four fawns, eight does, and only two bucks for the year. Not can, but will. And your se- But your season's going to run probably eight or nine months. So you've got to go out and do it. It's not just a trophy hunt environment. It's kind of just the opposite. You can do that, but if you have a lease, you're actually required for your own population according to their census hmm. plan. So they need they um, they want it's they, management. Yeah, they want to control the, the the population. Right, and in America does too. Except we just happen to have a lot of predators that takes care of part of that equation for us. Now imagine we had none. If we had shot out all bear, all wolves, all cat, cats, whether bobcat or cougar, imagine how much more animals there would be. Yeah, without predators, man has to be a natural predator. Right. Like so they do that in several parts of the United yeah. States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so, and we saw what happened here in the U.S. when we did introduce a predator into the into the mix. Right, and that, now it's kind of that, off balance. So is it, is, is it, you're talking about Grizz? <laughs> well, talking about problem. the wolf. The wolf is a problem, or yeah, is yeah. it a problem? That's a very uh, question that you've got against wolves and for wolves and as Depends a predator, and then they show all these nasty pictures of Moose being eaten because they brought wolves in, but the wolf's got to eat. So I really don't understand all of it. The controversy in that is ridiculous. 
What do you guys mm-hmm. think on that? Well, I think it, it comes back to what Matt was saying over in Europe, and that's, that's management. It's proper management. There's no problem having wolves out there. The problem is having too many wolves, having, a, having something out of balance, and, and that's what happened. There wasn't an issue with them being reintroduced, although people fought it and didn't like it and said this would happen, and it looks like they were right. But in reality, had we stayed the course, and kept the management plan and limited it to X amount of packs throughout the different states, we would not have run into the issues that we did. The issues came via lack of management. Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying is we put the wolves in and then we protected them. Then they overproduce because they have no natural predators for the exception of man. And now we have an overpopulation of a predator. We do. And things are getting better, and it's not necessarily because there's less wolves. What's now happened is the animals have learned to adjust to it. When they first got in here, it was a feeding frenzy. It was a buffet line. And, you know, it was a free-for-all, and that's exactly what happened. And a lot of these elk um, uh, herds were decimated. Things are definitely turning around. I wouldn't say it's as bad as it was, um, but that's just been an adjustment not only on us getting them off of the protected list, but also the animals adjusting to the situation also. Well, Matt, why doesn't Europe bring over the predators like they did in the Yellowstone and Glacier and let the wolves out to do the the hunting to well, maintain the herds over there. So there's a couple of different facets to that, and they've sort of kind of tried it. There are wolves that are reintroducing themselves from Scandinavia, working their way down into northern Germany now. And depending on who you ask, whether that that's a good idea or not, um, you know, if you ask the outfitter, he hates it. If you ask the farmer, he's fine with it because he eats the deer or the pigs that eat his crops. If you ask the Greenpeace guy, he thinks it's nature back to normal. You know what I mean? If you ask the forest uh, master, he's unhappy because of the balances off or whatever. Or maybe he does like it because the trees get eaten like they're supposed to, not too many deer, just enough. And that's the Yellowstone argument. There was too much flora and not enough fauna. Now it's the other way around example. But here's a really interesting one. There's a bear they called Bruno that wandered over from I think Hungary into or then through Austria or maybe from Croatia, Romania, Croatia, either or made it way into the Alps of Germany. And so you would think that'd be a great thing. Everybody's like, yeah, there's a bear again back in the woods. It's natural. They're moving back in. Except it's a Eurasian brown bear, not a little black. It's a big bear about the size of a grizz, you know, around eight foot or so. Um, And it was eating all the livestock, cattle and sheep. Right? It found a lot of free meals, like like, uh, my colleague Brian said, a a buffet. And um, so everybody goes into panic mode and says, well, we can't have that. And then, again, depending on who you ask, whether it's a good idea, in the end, the government says, let's bring somebody in to tranquilize it, and we'll pick it up and we'll move it back into a deeper wild area. Everybody applauded each other, said, great idea. And so the problem is all the Greenpeace people that were out there trying to catch them, 
don't know how to hunt. So nobody could, <laughs> nobody could find them. Nobody could catch them yeah. right, or shoot them. So in the end, they got tired of the pressure politically. It got to be too much of a big deal. Finally, they said, okay, hunters, it is open season on this bear. If you see it, you can kill it. It's not against the law. It's not poaching, whatever. Game on. He was dead the next morning. <laughs> so, and for Bruno the bear, and now they make statues up to him, and the green people throw a fit about it still and pay homage to this, you know, statue of Bruno. It's, it's just a strange thing. They, they killed the last bear and wolf in, in, say, in the mountains up there in the 1850s, you know, maybe 1860s. So some people want it back, but now it's too late. There's too much of a population. There's just not enough wild areas, a real true wild wilderness areas. And those, those ones that do still exist, say in Romania, in the Car, uh, Carpathian Mountains, Transylvania, or in the mountains in Croatia, they still have bear and wolf and lynx, mm-hmm. but they're well, kind of isolated. We're, in we're, we're getting down just a couple of minutes. Uh, let's talk real quickly about uh, uh, private hunts. Okay. Um, so, actually, there's six different deer species, plus caribou and elk, uh, and then there's multiple species of goat, and ibex, and subspecies, and chamois, and, and mouflon, and wild boar. So, there is a plethora of things to, or a cornucopia, if you will, of things to hunt, um, but people don't even think that you can hunt or that you're even allowed to own a gun. So, it all exists. Um, for the pay-to-play trophy hunts, and I represent quite a bit with Outdoors International. Well, there's some pretty good fishing over there, too, isn't there? There is. Uh, lots of trout. Some salmon have been coming back. They have the largest catfish in the world in terms of length. Uh, if it's under 39 inches, you have to throw it back, kind of like a sturgeon. They can be six foot, you know, two, three hundred pounds. So monster fish. Um, and then pike. Giant pike. My son caught a 42-and-a-half-inch, you know, like northern pike. First cast. So, they're fishing. Well, in fact, I think they're fishing over right now for the Predator uh, tournament, isn't it, for northerns? Um, it, well, they don't, it depends on where you are, and you can hunt for our being fish for them all summer, but cooler waters are usually uh, more productive for the the pike. So, right. but there's rivers. Hey, guys, and, and, we're going to we're going to have to take a break. And uh, Matt, you're going to hang around with us, right? Sure. Okay. Well, let's just uh, in uh, 15, 20 seconds, uh, contact information. Okay. My contact info. Yes. Quickly. Yeah. My name is Matthew Cervantes with Outdoors International, uh, stationed out of Boise, Idaho. I'm Fantastic. retired Army first sergeant. I'm here. All right. Beautiful part of the world. i got to come up and see you. Okay, Grizz, we're out of here, but uh, we're, we're not going to be gone long, so stay tuned to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com. For your outdoor adventure in the West, CalParksCO.com is required. CalParks has 24 prime locations for camping, fishing, or boating. Lake Comanche has 54 miles of shoreline and three marinas west of San Francisco, known locally as Monster Lake because of the big fish in abundance. Lake Hemet is surrounded by the majestic beauty of tall pines and giant oaks in the mountains of Southern California, a majestic vacation spot. CalParks Company is your prime location for outdoor adventures in the West. 
If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive, Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan and Mike the Grizz. Well, Matt, we got you still on here, and we talked this morning about something that very interests me a lot, about European hunting and uh, the difference between royalty and peasants. Ah, yeah. Remember that? And yeah. I want you to tell me what's the because you said in some places it's still happening today. Sure. So if you're royalty, you can kill this or hunt this or harvest this. If you're peasant, you can't touch it. Tell me and explain that to me because that's like back in uh, medieval days. <laughs> sure. And that's and that's actually where it all stems from. So. Kind of how it broke down is when you watch Robin Hood, the movie, or, or read the book or something, they talk about killing the king's deer. What they mean is red stag. And that the roe deer is kind of the whitetail of Europe. They're allowed to be hunted by the normal people, the peasant. Nobility, the king's deer, was allowed to be hunted only by high-level society, which is the red stag akin to and cousin to the elk of America. So... Those rules over the years um, 
just filtered down. So by the time, say, <clears throat> in the middle of the end of chivalry ended, World War One kind of changed everything. By around World War Two or just post World War Two time, they came up with all these new rules and new governments in Europe, obviously post World War Two, and they basically just instituted kind of a system where the modern day nobility, as in those with money, um, can afford to hunt the high game and the lowly normal people, peasant type, uh, a.k.a. normal blue-collar workers, can afford to hunt the low game. Well, is, is that because the people with money own the property? Of course. So the government owns the land or it's private property, one of the two. And if you own private property that's large enough to hunt, you are wealthy indeed in Europe. It's just no way you can really afford anything big enough to hunt on um, unless you're very wealthy. Um, so, you know, so that's just kind of how it is, and it just evolved that same way. So, you know, pretty much everything is set up like a conservancy, and they're paying the government a trophy fee for an animal, and you don't even get the meat. You get You don't get trophy. the meat? No, you get the trophy because the government owns or the landowner owns the animal, and they're selling the head to you. And if you want the meat, you got to buy it back from either the government or from the landowner because they're all using that secondary source of income. Uh, they help offset their leases or pay for all that socialized craziness that happens in, in Europe. Somebody's got to pay that bill, whether it's chopping down trees to sell for lumber or selling the meat to wild game dealers to be sold retail at market. They're selling it on the hook by the kilo. Well, yeah. is that this, is that kind of like the same for upland game birds? There's not a lot of birds left, honestly. Um, they had a mismanagement of land where they it's happening in America too. You can't find Bob White quail or you can't find chucker and you know, in because of farmlands they chop down everything and use it all. There's no edges anymore, there's no places for them to live and hide. Same thing happened in in Europe and then the foxes got out of control and then they stopped allowing people to shoot predator um what they call uh, birds of prey, right? Raptors. So you couldn't shoot a hawk or anything else anymore. So now there is a hawk on every fence post every couple hundred yards. Um, so there's no rabbits, or very few rabbits or small game birds. They're just kind of wiped out by predators. They really are. Now, maybe you might be able to answer this question because I'm not real sure. Where is the deer that has tusk? The fangs? Yeah, the yeah. fang deer that has those, yep. what, three-inch fangs? So there's actually two species of deer that have fangs in Europe, and it's, it's funny you should ask. The Chinese water deer is the one with no antlers and very large fangs they use to fight. And, and you should know that the oldest deer species of the world had no antlers. They had tusks. To include elk and red stag, where people pull the eye teeth, they call it ivory, and they make it into jewelry because that's what's left over of a remnant of the ancient times when they were tusked rather than antlered. So there's a second deer called a moonjack, uh, and they have a smaller fang and a large pedicle and a short antler. And I'm looking at one as we speak because I have one on my wall. And I've hunted for both species, but they're actually once upon a time were native to Europe, and I mean millions of years ago. 
now can be found in Asia, still wild. But in England, in, the, in England, the Deer Park at the Duke of Bedford in World War II left the gate open in near Woburn Abbey, and all this deer got out. And now there are wild Chinese water deer in Moonjack running wild all over the countryside of England. So it's a lot of it's a fun hunt. It's inexpensive. Oh, yeah. There's tons of them. And they're inexpensive as, as hunting, trophy hunting goes. Um, you can take Moonjack for, you know, three to five hundred maybe. Um, and you can take a big Chinese water deer for up to around fifteen hundred bucks if you were to get a gold medal, but probably uh, close to a thousand. Is that just for the permit or for the cost of the trip? Um, that would be in the way they do it in England is they're usually lodging and meals is separate. They don't usually have lodges per se. It'll be a bed and breakfast as you pay separately. So just the stocking fees, which is a to hunt is stocking in England or the UK. So the actual guide and the trophy fee, you know, would some would be somewhere around fifteen hundred bucks or something, you know, to to go out. And are they relatively easy to get? Chinese water deer, normally, yes, they're kind of dumb. They don't understand high-velocity projectiles. So they, <laughs> they think if they sit out in an open field with a vast uh, open view so no predators can approach them, they think they can just lay down in the middle of an open field. So they don't do so well. Um, the moonshack are so tiny that you have to wait to the dead of winter to hunt them because Although open season is earlier in the year, you can't see them because they're shorter than the grass. So you got to wait till the snow is hit and kind of knock down the grass, and then you hunt them in like late winter. Uh, it's just easier to find them. Are they about the same size as a brocket deer? Mm, the Chinese water deer is closer to a brocket deer, which is also close to what about the size of a roe deer. Um, but the moonshack is half that. They're tiny. Half the, like the size. size? Oh, yeah, probably the size of a 30-pound dog. It's like a dick-dick, no? Yeah, almost. Real small. Like maybe 18 inches at the shoulder max. Yeah, it's it's a little bit bigger than a dick-dick, I would say. Not much. But here's what's funny. It's the oldest deer species on the planet. They have 30-million-year-old fossils they find in France, and they're identical than they are today, and it has the smallest or shortest chromosome count of any mammal in the world. It is ancient. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, Very interesting critter. how are they for table fare? I've actually never eaten one, but I know people that have. I just didn't have the opportunity. Um, I was leaving the next day. It's kind of hard to do when you're, you know, on the road to take the animal and eat it and cook it. And what are you going to do when you're in a hotel and, and you're on your way out of town, you know? Um, so it, get, it goes to market. It's sold um, to a wild game dealer. It's eaten always. Um, but you don't always get the luxury of eating an animal on a trophy hunt on the other side of the planet. Sometimes you get to eat the guys that shot one maybe the week before he got there. Like you do in Africa, you get a lot of times you eat wild animals, but they're from, not yours, they're probably the, the clients that were there in camp Pre- before Previous, you. yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, how popular is that for people from the United States to go to Europe to go hunting? And, you know, you know to, and the other question is, why would they want to? Well, the fact, well, a couple of things. One, the deer season for roebuck in particular opens 
in April in, or May, depending on the country, and they're hard antlered. So you hunt those deer all year long, so that's a good off-season hunt. Um, the moonjack and Chinese water deer are hunted in the late winter, early, early spring, so also good. The mouflon bighorn sheep are native to the Balkans. They're open uh, 365. Um, goats and chamois will open from late fall to all the way until early spring. And you got six species of deer plus uh, caribou, musk, ox, and moose, um, and wild boar, and you know all these different goats and sheep. So in reality, there's more game animals in Europe than there are in North America um, in terms of species. That it's, and they're open all the time. So if you're a real hardcore hunter, there's never a time when you can't hunt something. Uh, and generally speaking, yeah, overlapping multiple species. I've, I've shot chamois, and I've mm-hmm. shot mouflon. Now, what? the mouflon you have, are they the full-saddled mouflon? Yeah. Yep. yep. I have because, one uh, I, in Croatia. Go I got a really nice native wild mouflon in the along the dalmatian coast in croatia on the adriatic sea it's a phenomenal hunt low cost and it's a true sheep hunt of wild mouflon not you know high fence texas style yeah you were real good mine was a real heart you know the way it rolls back into the heart shape mm-hmm. my mouflon okay Hey, uh, Grizz, we're going yeah. to be taking a break here pretty quick, so uh, let's get some information and start wrapping it up. Okay, you want to give us your contact information and everything, Matt? I'll be back in sure. contact with you later, but uh, could you give that to us? Sure. Um, so I, I'm the European hunting expert and red stag specialist on staff at Outdoors International, which is uh, gothunts.com. Not go hunts, but gothunts.com. And uh, you can always just call me direct or you can call the company hotline. Um, and you can Google it anytime, but my number is 573-465-0188 direct or just call us on the hotline. Okay, and you can go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the show as many times as you want and uh, get some more information. We're going to sign off. We'll be right back. Hey, The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Wormer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. 
Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Grizz, well, we got, we got we, some we decided to. not to let Matt go home. He's okay. got more things to tell us. Uh, Matt, you were talking about primarily, you know, deer hunting in Europe, but uh, there's a lot of exciting things, and it's not just in Europe. So give us an idea of some of the things that you do and the places, the exotic places you take people. Sure. Um, so we can go anywhere on the earth that there's something legal to do, whether it's fishing or hunting, whether it's the Pacific, uh, you know, or it's in Europe or in Asia, South America or Africa. Um, but I, I think just touching on a couple interesting things about fishing in Europe, I was going to point out that number one fish game species in for 500 million people is the carp. Huge 50-pound giant carp, 90% oh. of the market is designed just to catch carp. Wow. Well, I, I know that they've got carp tournaments and stuff over there, but, you know, for us, carp is just, uh, you know, a trash fish. And sure. Who, who I agree. It? Yeah. It, 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 but it is, one, a huge food source, two, very prolific everywhere, and they're really hardcore fighters, and they just nosedive straight down, and they're, when it's a 50-pound fish, it's a smart old fish, and it's hard to catch them, and believe it or not, as weird as it sounds, they don't taste that bad when you fry them, and, and if they're clean and all that, they're not actually that bad. Well, I know a lot well, of you know, Matt, I had a guy, a black gentleman once, and he had to string her a carp when I was going to the university. And I went down to the carp on and fished because I had to do something. And he had these two big carp. And I said, you know, what are you going to do with them? He says, I'm going to eat them. 
And he taught me, I became friends with him, he taught me how to can them. And then, uh, you know, the mason jar and literally clean them and can them. You can't tell them the difference between salmon. Wow. What he taught me how to do. Well, they eat them on Good Friday, that's for sure. Every market is oh. everywhere is going to be carp and maybe a trout, wow. but mostly carp. Yeah. And they're farmed. They have farms, carp farms everywhere all across the country. Well, I, I know that a lot of times if you're hanging around the docks or at the lake or something, the carps will be swimming around. You know, And I don't know how many times they've tried different baits put in front of them, uh, and they're not interested. They're not easy to catch. They're not easy to catch. That's true. It's part of the game of the why it's so popular. And then when you do hook them, they're really hard fighters. So that's fun. Uh, and there's a lot of them. So I'm not saying I'm a big car fisherman, but I taught the fishing course in Europe. And I tell you what, uh, big pole, super long, all about the carp, even though I'd rather go for the walleye and the pike and trout whenever possible, the eel the eel is really, really good, too. You know, they come out of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, the Saragossa Sea, um, they, and those are phenomenal eating. You can make it taste just like lobster. If you peel the skin and cut them up like, almost like a snake, fry them in a pan with some oil and some well, onion. Yeah, but the, the, butter. Pro- the problem is it's like a chicken neck. They're all bones. No, it's like a snake. The eel, I mean, I'm just saying that it, it was more like a snake, just one long vertebrae, mm-hmm. but it peeled right off. Um, if you cook it right, and then smoke deal is a delicacy. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, well I like eel. Uh, well, I, I know in Scandinavia and a lot of areas, it's it's quite mm-hmm. popular. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. The, it's good eating. It's fun to catch, but, man, it's the slimiest thing ever, and you can't <laughs> get that slime off of your clothing. It's almost like a silicone uh, booger. Welcome to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan and Mike the Grizz, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. Well, are you ready to go at it again, John? Oh, man, that was so much fun. I tell you what, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about doing this show is that uh, I get to learn so much every week. You know, there's all these critters and animals and techniques that I've never seen or even heard of. Well, the thing of it is, John, if they don't have something to offer, we don't have them on the radio. We can't learn from them. We're not like a bunch of old women just sitting around gossiping. We want to learn something. Well, Grizz, you know, you and I have talked, and what we want to do is, you know, we want to give people that enjoy the outdoors the opportunity uh, to hear about things that they don't even know about. That's what it's all about. That's what Fish Talk Radio is all about. Yep. Yeah, and that was interesting about the that elk actually have a, their eye teeth or ivory. But yeah, it, it's a really big deal on the Indian reservations. Yeah, because it's measured as well. So I mean, they put it around their necks, and you know, I I've got a whole jar of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Every time I shot a bull elk, I pulled uh, the teeth. Yeah, yeah. My dad had a big jar of them too. But there's only two teeth on the elk that are like that, right? 
Right, exactly right. Okay. Uh, and all right, so we're gonna we're getting things organized right now. But, yeah, uh, there's two two teeth. Uh, they're on the upper jaw on each side. One on the left, one on the right, in the same place. That a canine would be. Yeah, and apparently, from what it sounded like originally, they were tusks, and I guess through uh, a period of time, they kind of evolved into just teeth. Well, that's what it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have tusks. <laughs> okay. And I had to go to the dentist and pull them out. Okay. I kept biting my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Grizz, we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll see who we can come back with and talk to. But we've still got some exciting stuff coming up. So stay tuned to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com anytime and listen as much as you want. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive, Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through AFTCO. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for AFTCO at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. For your outdoor adventure in the West, CalParksCO.com is required. CalParks has 24 prime locations for camping, fishing, or boating. Shasta Trinity Recreation Area is breathtakingly beautiful with all amenities, offering the best camping in California. California's largest reservoir, Diamond Valley, is just 90 miles from Los Angeles or San Diego, designed for an incredible fishery. At Silver Falls Lodge in Oregon, no need to rough it. Stunning beauty and first-class accommodations. Whatever your desire, CalParksCO.com has it. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Wormer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. 
If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Well, John, are you ready for some more great, great <laughs> guests? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it gets any better, but you know, like I said, we really enjoy bringing our audience um, adventures that they may not have even, even thought about. And not only can they hear about it, but that if they want to, they can do it. Well, that's, that's the whole idea of this show, is to put new things on. I mean, everybody goes out and shoots a rabbit, a white tail, and a turkey. But let's get into something that's fun, doesn't cost a lot of money, the experience, the adventure. That's what it's all about. Well, And that's what we're out there doing. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, I believe we have Brian on the line uh, waiting to come on and talk to us for a little bit. Brian, are you there, buddy? Oh, great, Brian. Brian, you're an expert fisherman. Well, I don't know about if I'd use the word expert, but uh, I do do my fair share of fishing. Well, one day you and I are going to throw a fly together. I guarantee you that. I've already called my boy. We're heading to Mexico here soon. <laughs> Let's go sooner than later. to hang out with you. Yeah, it's it's a little bit warm right now. You might want to wait a week or two. But uh, um, it it I I love Baja, and uh, of course I've got a condo in Cabo San Lucas that uh, maybe we can put you up in. And Grizz has got a couple of places in La Paz, and you know between us, you know we can take good care of you. Well, we're gonna find out because we're coming. Have you ever been there? I have not, actually. Uh, not only do I want to meet you guys firsthand, but I don't, uh, I don't say no to opportunities like this, especially in areas that I haven't uh, adventured to. Well, so I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. Well, I'll I tell you what. You know, I, um, I am a permanent resident of Mexico. Yes, I think Grizz is also. In a, mm-hmm. a, a, yeah, I've been here 33 years. Well, you got me beat by... Actually, I think the first time I went down to Cabo was about 33 years ago. But, but anyway, but uh, uh, you know, there, there's a... First of all, the fishing. The Sea of Cortez is known as the aquarium to the world. And you put your line in the water, you never really know exactly what's going to happen. But, but frequently something does. But I, I, not to get aside too far, but one of the things I enjoy about Baja is the people. Um, you know, I've had many instances where uh, Grizz chides me about my old van that I've got down there. He tells me to junk it. But uh, there's been more than one time where I had a flat or something alongside the road, and I guarantee you no more than three cars would go by without someone pulling over, without you flagging them down and say, do you need some help? I mean, it's just a whole different world. But You know uh, what? And that's, uh, you don't see that a lot these days, to be honest with you. don't see it's it at all. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, if you're on the highway here and you, you know, we had a flat tire and pull over there, you know, there's, there's no chance anybody's going to stop. 
No well, question. And you probably wouldn't want half the people to stop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway. Right, let's, let's talk about what you yeah. do, buddy. You know, what I do is uh, I, I take people on adventures, and um, I prefer to, you know, really the person I like adventuring with the most is my friends and family. You know, as you know, I got fishing. That's what we do is we're booking agency for fishing trips. But more importantly, it's uh, kind of what led me to that um, industry was doing these things with my friends and family, particularly my son, and uh, enjoying those adventures and now just wanting to pass them on to others so that they can experience them. Well, we can help you with that. I know you can. Yeah. He's quite honest with you. I love fishing down there, but, you know, I'm almost disappointed when a marlin grabs my line uh, because that's not – I've cut enough marlin that, uh, you know, that there are fingers and toes. But, uh, you know, they, you fight them for 45 minutes, which is fun, then you let them go. But there's just uh, – you know, I prefer catching tuna and dorado. Uh, and then, of course, re- recently there's been a lot of big groupers and still some Sierras. But it is uh, – you know that it, it, it's so inter- amazing because the water is perfectly clear, and you can you can read the date on a on a quarter at thirty feet of water. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's great, Brian. Tell us about what you do. What kind of what's your favorite fishing? You know, I was just going to say, you guys have invited me down. I'd like to invite you guys up here to Idaho sometime to experience some of our um, steelhead fishing. Um, as I think I was talking to you, Grizz, earlier, I was born and raised in Montana, so I was, you know, born and raised around trout streams and lakes and rivers, and that's really where I cut my teeth was on um, uh, fly fishing for trout. And when mm-hmm. I came over here to Idaho from Montana, I got to experience what it meant to go steelhead fishing yeah. and uh, for those ocean-going trout. Uh, Brian, and, I, I, I used to have a, a, a house in Sun, Sun Valley or, or Ketchum. There you and, go. Yeah, I used and, to live there myself. And where, where are you in Idaho? We're in Boise. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's just yep. under it. Well, you have a lot of access to go anywhere you want. The base of the Sawtooth yeah, is straight north. I actually so, lived, I lived in Sun Valley for a little, and then I moved over to McCall. Mm-hmm. And I spent about seven years in McCall. And McCall is actually only about 45 minutes from the Salmon River. Yep. And uh, that's where I got to start experiencing the uh, steelhead fishing. Yeah. Well, I've steelhead fished in the Salmon, the South Fork. But uh, very, but we're not going to talk about How that right you, now. How uh, do you steelhead fish, Brian? Are you a fly theorist or... You know, I am. I've done it both. You know, I've bounced off the bottom. I've done some bobber and jigging, but uh, I definitely prefer to swing a fly or or even drift some beads with a fly rod. But um, I'm most interested in hooking up um, when I've got a five or an eight weight in my hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you have to run down the bank to follow it. No kidding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some. So for, for your steelhead, are you pitching a nine weight? You know, I, I usually go out with an eight weight. Uh, I do have a spay rod. We, on the Salmon River, we have the main salmon, which is a pretty big body water. I typically will throw a spay rod there just because, obviously, you get to work more of the water. Um, and then we also have the little salmon, which is a much smaller, tighter river. Not, not, uh, a spay rod is not needed. Uh, and so I use an eight weight on that. But we've even had some seasons that have been so epic. I've caught so many fish on the eight weights that I've actually turned to the five weight. And uh, I'll tell you what, 
That is absolutely an incredible experience. First three that I, I brought on, that. literally I lost in two seconds. You got to kind of, kind of, you know, it takes a second to figure out how to fight a fish like that on a five weight. But once I got it figured out, it, uh, well, what it was size incredible. Well, what are you using on a five weight? Say that again. I'm sorry. What size tippet do you use on a five weight? You know, I, I'm typically throwing 12 pounds. Um, but uh, depending, we again, we have two runs of, of steelhead over here. We have what's called the A run and the B run. And so an A run is a two-year fish. It's going to be a little bit smaller. Uh, I'll throw, you know, 10 to 12 <laughs> there. When we fish for the B runs, we're using probably 15. Hmm. And a lot well, of the 15 is awful big on a five weight. It is, but what we ha you're not going to bring it in otherwise because not only do you have the power of the fish, but you've got the power of the fish with the current. And uh, right. you know, in the spring, those waters pumping. And so if they get in, they get in the current, it is very difficult to bring them back in. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, five-weight is a, is a heck of a rod. I used to fish the Orba Spring Creek five-weight a lot, okay. but I never went for a steelhead with it. Chris, we only got about 30 seconds left in this segment, so let's uh, see what All we right, do. Well, 30 seconds. Tell us uh, about how to get a hold of you. I know you got a run. So tell us how to get a hold of you, please, Ryan. You know, we're asking people, just check out our website. It's gotfishing.net. And uh, we've got quite a portfolio of trips, you know, from Alaska to Bolivia to Mexico to Belize. Um, I think we've got something there for everyone. And uh, if not, we will find you the trip of a lifetime. So no, check no. out our website and get a hold of us. Did you say .fishing.net? Yeah, got. Oh, got fishing. Okay. Yep. Just like the old milk commercials, got milk. Mm -hmm. This is Got Fishing, G O T F I S H I N G dot net. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I understand you got something to do, so I'll try to get you back on the radio. Maybe not next week, but the week after next, but I expect you to come down and throw some flies with me for those big boys in the ocean. Well, yeah. It's well, not a 5-weight, a 15-weight. No, no. You've got a 150-pound fish. You don't use a 5-weight. But anyway, all right, okay. we pre appreciate that. We're going to have to run. You're listening to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. The best wing shooting is in Nayarit, Mexico. It's absolutely incredible and is only $2,650 U.S. per person. Includes four nights lodging, three days hunting, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, transportation, bird boys, cleaning and packing of all birds. You'll even be provided, free of charge, a quality shotgun over and under or automatic, either a Beretta or Browning. Three cases of shotgun shells. Even the tips are included. Bird season starts soon, so book your adventure today. Contact support at thegrizgear.com. That's support at thegrizgear.com. Or call 434-953-8598. That's 434-953-8598. <laughs>
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn, located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides. And the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Hey, Grizz, I'm so confused. I don't even know what's going on. Why don't you explain it to us? You never do, John. You never do. So just, you're, it's normal. Yeah. We got Matt on here, and we got Brian. Brian is a great fisherman, trout fisherman, and uh, fly fisherman, steelhead fisherman. Then we got Matt, a retired serviceman, who is, I understand, in charge of the European market, for hunting, am I right, Matt? That's correct. I got yeah, something right, didn't I? <laughs> Tell us, Good Matt. Job, Chris. Well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a quick question about um, hunting in Europe. The United States has a tremendous resource of natural parks and, and open wildlife, but from what I understand about Europe, depending on where you are, um, they don't have that, and most of the hunting is on private preserves. And can you kind of give an idea about what it's like to hunt in Europe? Sure. Um, so I would first semi agree. You are correct that there is there there is no public land, but there are huge parks and national preserves and conservancy areas. But there is no public land where you can just buy an over-the-counter tag and walk out and hunt. It is all controlled by the state or the federal government. Uh, and then that is subdivided up into leases, um, depending on the type of game. They give you a quota. And since there's no cats, dogs, or bears anymore in the last 150 years, at least in Western Europe, um, that leaves you as the primary predator uh, to take everything from fawns 
does, bucks, or stags, and everything in between. It's up to you for all the predation. So you're allowed a permit to basically do a depredation hunt? Uh, predation. So basically what I mean is if you were to take a lease, for example, you could pay to play, go with the guide, hunt with him for a trophy hunt, um, or you can help him with his culling. But since there is no big cats, no bears, no wolves, only some foxes that could potentially eat uh, young roe deer fawns, um, then you are required to ensure that your forest has a healthy balance of animals and you're given a plan by the forest meister or whoever's running the forest in that area that you are required to take, for example, four fawns, eight does, and only two bucks for the year. Not can, but will. And your, but your season's going to run probably eight or nine months. So you've got to go out and do it. It's not just a trophy hunt environment. It's kind of just the opposite. You can do that, but if you have a lease, you're actually required for your own population according to their census hmm. plan. So they need they um, they want it's they, management. Yeah, they want to control the, the the population. Right, and in America does too. Except we just happen to have a lot of predators that takes care of part of that equation for us. Now imagine we had none. If we had shot out all bear, all wolves, all cat, cats, whether bobcat or cougar, imagine how much more animals there would be. Yeah, without predators, man has to be a natural predator. Right. Like so they do that in several parts of the United yeah. States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and we saw what happened here in the U.S. when we did introduce a predator into the into the mix. Right, and that, now it's kind of off balance. So is it, is, is it, is it, you're talking about Grizz? <laughs> well, talking about problem. the wolf. The wolf is a problem, or yeah, is yeah. it a problem? That's a very uh, question that you've got against wolves and for wolves and as Depends a predator, and then they show all these nasty pictures of moose being eaten because they brought wolves in, but the wolf's got to eat. So I really don't understand all of it. The controversy in that is ridiculous. What do you guys think on that? Well, I think it comes back to what Matt was saying over in Europe, and that's, that's management. It's proper management. There's no problem having wolves out there. The problem is having too many wolves, having, a, having something out of balance, and and that's what happened. There wasn't an issue with them being reintroduced, although people fought it and didn't like it and said this would happen, and it looks like they were right. But in reality, had we stayed the course and kept the management plan and limited it to X amount of packs throughout the different states, we would not have run into the issues that we did. The issues came via lack of management. Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying is we put the wolves in, and then we protected them, then they overproduce because they have no natural predators, for the exception of man, and now we have an overpopulation of a predator. Yeah. We do. What I understand? Uh, and things are getting better, and it's not necessarily because there's less wolves. What's now happened is the animals have learned to adjust to it. When they first got in here, it was a feeding frenzy. It was a buffet line. 
And, you know, it was a free-for-all, and that's exactly what happened. And a lot of these elk um, uh, herds were decimated. Things are definitely turning around. I wouldn't say it's as bad as it was, um, but that's just been an adjustment not only on us getting them off of the protected list, but also the animals adjusting to the situation also. Well, Matt, why doesn't Europe bring over the predators like they did in the Yellowstone and Glacier and let the wolves out to do the the hunting to well, maintain the herds over there? So there's a couple different facets to that, and they've sort of kind of tried it. There are wolves that are reintroducing themselves from Scandinavia, working their way down into northern Germany now. And depending on who you ask, whether or not that's a good idea or not, um, you know, if you ask the outfitter, he hates it. If you ask the farmer, he's fine with it because he eats the deer or the pigs that eat his crops. If you ask the Greenpeace guy, he thinks it's nature back to normal. You know what I mean? If you ask the forest uh, master, he's unhappy be, because of the balances off or whatever, or maybe he does like it because the trees get eaten like they're supposed to, not too many deer, just enough, and that's the Yellowstone argument. There was too much flora and not enough fauna. Now it's the other way around, example. But here's a really interesting one. There's a bear they called Bruno that wandered over from, I think, Hungary into, or then through Austria, or maybe from Croatia, Romania, Croatia, either or, made it way into the Alps of Germany. And so you would think that'd be a great thing. Everybody's like, yay, there's a bear again back in the woods. It's natural. They're moving back in. Except it's a Eurasian brown bear, not a little black. It's a big bear about the size of a grizz, you know, around eight foot or so. Um, and it was eating all the livestock, cattle and sheep, right? It found a lot of free meals, like, like uh, my colleague Brian said, a, a buffet. And um, so everybody goes into panic mode and says, well, we can't have that. And then, again, who, depending on who you ask, whether it's a good idea, in the end, the government says, let's bring somebody in to tranquilize it, and we'll pick it up and we'll move it back into a deeper wild area. Everybody applauded each other, said, great idea. And so the problem is all the Greenpeace people that were out there trying to catch them don't know how to hunt. So nobody could, <laughs> nobody could find them. Nobody could catch them yeah. right, or shoot them. So in the end, they got tired of the pressure politically. It got to be too much of a big deal. Finally, they said, okay, hunters, it is open season on this bear. If you see it, you can kill it. It's not against the law. It's not poaching, whatever. Game on. He was dead the next morning. <laughs> so, and for Bruno the bear, and now they make statues up to him, and the green people throw a fit about it still and pay homage to this, you know, statue of Bruno. It's, it's just a strange thing. They, they killed the last bear and wolf in, in, say, in the mountains up there in the 1850s, you know, maybe 1860s. So, some people want it back, but now it's too late. There's too much of a population. There's just not enough wild areas, a real true wild wilderness areas. And those ones that do still exist, say in Romania, in the Car uh, Carpathian Mountains, Transylvania, or in the mountains in Croatia, they still have bear and wolf and lynx. Mm -hmm. 
but they're well, kind of isolated we're, in we're, we're getting down just a couple of minutes. Uh, let's talk real quickly about uh, uh, private hunts. Okay. Um, so, actually, there's six different deer species, plus caribou and elk. Uh, and then there's multiple species of goat, and ibex, and subspecies, and chamois, and, and mouflon, and wild boar. So, there is a plethora of things to, or a cornucopia, if you will, of things to hunt. Um, but people don't even think that you can hunt or that you're even allowed to own a gun. So, it all exists. Um, for the pay-to-play trophy hunts, and I represent quite a bit with Outdoors International. Well, there's some pretty good fishing over there, too, isn't there? There is. Uh, lots of trout. Some salmon have been coming back. They have the largest catfish in the world in terms of length. Uh, if it's under 39 inches, you have to throw it back, kind of like a sturgeon. They can be six foot, you know, two, three hundred pounds. So monster fish. Um, and then pike giant pike my son caught a 42 and a half inch you know like northern pike first cast so they're fishing well in fact i think they're fishing over right now for the predator uh tournament isn't it for northerns um well they don't it depends on where you are and you can hunt for our being fish for them all summer but cooler waters are usually uh more productive for the the pike. So, right. but there's rivers. Hey, guys, and, and, we're going to we're going to have to take a break. And uh, Matt, you're going to hang around with us, right? Sure. Okay. Well, let's just uh, in uh, 15, 20 seconds, uh, contact information. Okay. My contact info. Yes. Quickly. Yeah. My name is Matthew Cervantes with Outdoors International, uh, stationed out of Boise, Idaho. Fantastic. First start. I'm here. All right. Beautiful part of the world. I got to come up and see you. Okay, Grizz, we're out of here, but uh, we're we're not going to be gone long. So stay tuned to Fish Talk Hunt Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com. For your outdoor adventure in the West, CalParksCO.com is required. CalParks has 24 prime locations for camping, fishing, or boating. Lake Comanche has 54 miles of shoreline and three marinas west of San Francisco, known locally as Monster Lake because of the big fish in abundance. Lake Hemet is surrounded by the majestic beauty of tall pines and giant oaks in the mountains of Southern California, a majestic vacation spot. CalParks Company is your prime location for outdoor adventures in the West. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. 
See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in Eastcape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken and Mike the Grizz. Well, Matt, we got you still on here, and we talked this morning about something that very interests me a lot, about European hunting and uh, the difference between royalty and peasants. Ah, yeah. Remember that? And yeah. I want you to tell me what's the because you said in some places it's still happening today. Sure. So if you're royalty, you can kill this or hunt this or harvest this. If you're peasant, you can't touch it. Tell me and explain mm-hmm. that to me because that's like back in uh, medieval days. <laughs> sure. And that's and that's actually where it all stems from. So. Kind of how it broke down is when you watch Robin Hood, the movie, or, or read the book or something, they talk about killing the king's deer. What they mean is red stag. And that the roe deer is kind of the white tail of Europe. They're allowed to be hunted by the normal people, the peasant. Nobility, the king's deer, was allowed to be hunted only by high level society, which is the red stag akin to and cousin to the elk of America. So, those rules over the years um, just filtered down. So by the time, say, <clears throat> in the middle of the end of chivalry ended, World War One kind of changed everything. By around World War Two or just post World War Two time, they came up with all these new rules and new governments in Europe. Obviously, post World War Two, and they basically just instituted kind of a system where the modern day nobility, as in those with money. Um, can afford to hunt the high game and the lowly normal people, peasant type, uh, a.k.a. normal blue-collar workers, can afford to hunt the low game. Uh, is, is that because the people with money own the property? Of course. So the government owns the land or it's private property, one of the two. And if you own private property that's large enough to hunt, 
you are wealthy indeed in Europe. It's just no way you can really afford anything big enough to hunt on um, unless you're very wealthy. Um, so, you know, so that's just kind of how it is, and it just evolved that same way. So, you know, pretty much everything is set up like a conservancy, and they're paying the government a trophy fee for an animal, and you don't even get the meat. You get you don't get trophy. the meat. No, you get the trophy because the government owns or the landowner owns the animal, and they're selling the head to you. And if you want the meat, you got to buy it back from either the government or from the landowner because they're all using that secondary source of income. Uh, they help offset their leases or pay for all that socialized craziness that happens in, in Europe. Somebody's got to pay that bill, whether it's chopping down trees, to sell for lumber or selling the meat to wild game dealers to be sold retail at market. They're selling it on the hook by the kilo. Well, yeah. is that just, is that kind of like the same for upland game birds? And there's not a lot of birds left, honestly. Um, they had a mismanagement of land where they it's happening in America too. You can't find Bob White quail or you can't find chucker and you know, in because of farmlands they chop down everything and use it all. There's no edges anymore, there's no places for them to live and hide. Same thing happened in, in Europe and then the foxes got out of control and then they stopped allowing people to shoot predator um what they call uh, birds of prey, right? Raptors. So you couldn't shoot a hawk or anything else anymore. So now there is a hawk on every fence post every couple hundred yards. Um, so there's no rabbits, or very few rabbits or small game birds. They're just kind of wiped out by predators. They really are. Now, maybe you might be able to answer this question because I'm not real sure. Where is the deer that has tusk? The fangs? Yeah, the yeah. fang deer that has those, yep. what, three-inch fangs? So, so there's actually two species of deer that have fangs in Europe, and it's, it's funny you should ask. The Chinese water deer is the one with no antlers and very large fangs they use to fight. And, and you should know that the oldest deer species of the world had no antlers. They had tusks. To include elk and red stag, where people pull the eye teeth, they call it ivory, and they make it into jewelry because that's what's left over of a remnant of the ancient times when they were tusked rather than antlered. So there's a second deer called a moonjack, uh, and they have a smaller fang and a large pedicle and a short antler. And I'm looking at one as we speak because I have one on my wall. And I've hunted for both species, but they're actually once upon a time were native to Europe, and I mean millions of years ago. Now can be found in Asia, still wild, but in England, in, the, in England, the Deer Park at the Duke of Bedford in World War II left the gate open in near Woburn Abbey, and all this deer got out. And now there are wild Chinese water deer and moonjack running wild all over the countryside of England. So it's a lot of it's a fun hunt. You hunt it's inexpensive. Oh yeah, there's tons of them, and they're inexpensive. As, as hunting, trophy hunting goes, um, you can take Moonjack for, you know, three to five hundred maybe. Um, and you can take a big Chinese water deer for up to around fifteen hundred bucks if you were to get a gold medal, but probably close to a thousand. Is that just for the permit or for the cost of the trip? 
Um, that would be in the way in the do it in England is they're usually lodging and meals is separate. They don't usually have lodges per se. It'll be a bed and breakfast as you pay separately. So just the stocking fees, which is a to hunt is stocking in England or the UK. So the actual guide and the trophy fee, you know, would some would be somewhere around fifteen hundred bucks or something, you know, to to go out. And are they relatively easy to get? Chinese water deer, normally, yes. They're kind of dumb. They don't understand high-velocity projectiles. So they <laughs> they think if they sit out in an open field with a vast uh, open view so no predators can approach them, they think they can just lay down in the middle of an open field. So they don't do so well. Um, the moonshack are so tiny that you have to wait to the dead of winter to hunt them because – Although open season is earlier in the year, you can't see them because they're shorter than the grass. So you got to wait till the snow is hit and kind of knock down the grass, and then you hunt them in like late winter. Uh, it's just easier to find them. Are they about the same size as a brocket deer? Mm, the Chinese water deer is closer to a brocket deer, which is also close to what about the size of a roe deer. Um, but the moonshack is half that. They're tiny. Half the, like the size. size? Oh, yeah, probably the size of a 30-pound dog. It's like a dick-dick, no? Yeah, almost. Real small. Like maybe 18 inches at the shoulder max. Yeah, it's it's a little bit bigger than a dick-dick, I would say. Not much. But here's what's funny. It's the oldest deer species on the planet. They have 30-million-year-old fossils they find in France, and they're identical than they are today, and it has the smallest or shortest chromosome count of any mammal in the world. It is ancient. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, Very interesting critter. how are they for table fare? I've actually never eaten one, but I know people that have. I just didn't have the opportunity. Um, I was leaving the next day. It's kind of hard to do when you're, you know, on the road to take the animal and eat it and cook it. And what are you going to do when you're in a hotel and, and you're on your way out of town, you know? Um, so it, it goes to market. It's sold um, to a wild game dealer. It's eaten always. Um, but you don't always get the luxury of eating an animal on a trophy hunt on the other side of the planet. Sometimes you get to eat the guys that shot one maybe the week before you got there. Like you do in Africa, you get a lot of times you eat wild animals but they're from not yours they're probably the, the clients that were there in camp Pre- before previous you. yeah okay yeah well how popular is that from people from the united states to go to europe to go hunting and you know you know to, and the other question is why would they want to well the fact well a couple of things one the deer season for roebuck in particular opens in April in, or May, depending on the country, and they're hard antlered. So you hunt those deer all year long, so that's a good off-season hunt. Um, the moonshack and Chinese water deer are hunted in the late winter, early early spring, so also good. The mouflon bighorn sheep are native to the Balkans. They're open uh, 365. Um, goats and chamois will open from late fall to all the way until early spring. And you got six species of deer plus uh, caribou, musk, ox, and moose, um, and wild boar, and you know all these different goats and sheep. So, in reality, there's more game animals in Europe than there are in North America um, in terms of species. That is, and they're open all the time. So, if you're a real hardcore hunter, there's never a time when you can't hunt something. Uh, and generally speaking, yeah. overlapping multiple species. 
I've I've shot chamois, and I've shot mouflon. Now the mouflon you have are they the full saddled mouflon? Yep. 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 I have because one uh, I, in Croatia. Go I got ahead. a really nice native wild mouflon in the along the Dalmatian coast in Croatia on the Adriatic Sea. It's a phenomenal hunt, low cost, and it's a true sheep hunt of wild mouflon, not, you know, high fence Texas style. Yeah, you were real good. Mine was a real heart, you know, the way it rolls back into the heart shape. Mm-hmm. My mouflon. Okay. Hey, uh, Grizz, we're going yeah. to be taking a break here pretty quick, so... Uh, let's get some information and start wrapping it up. Okay, you want to give us your contact information and everything, Matt? I'll be back in sure. contact with you later, but uh, could you give that to us? Sure. Um, so I, I'm the European hunting expert and red stag specialist on staff at Outdoors International, which is uh, gothunts.com. Not go hunts, but gothunts.com. And uh, you can always just call me direct or you can call the company hotline. Um, and you can Google it anytime, but my number is 573-465-0188 direct or just call us on the hotline. Okay, and you can go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the show as many times as you want and uh, get some more information. We're going to sign off. We'll be right back. Hey, The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. 
Catch the Grizz next adventure today. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Grizz, well, we got, we got we, some we decided not to let Matt go home. He's okay. got more things to tell us. Uh, Matt, you were talking about primarily, you know, deer hunting in Europe, but uh, there's a lot of exciting things, and it's not just in Europe. So give us an idea of some of the things that you do and the places, the exotic places you take people. Sure. Um, so we can go anywhere on the earth that there's something legal to do, whether it's fishing or hunting, whether it's the Pacific, uh, you know, or it's in Europe or in Asia, South America or Africa. Um, but I, I think just touching on a couple interesting things about fishing in Europe, I was going to point out that number one fish game species in for 500 million people is the carp. Huge 50-pound giant carp, 90% of the market is designed just to catch carp. Wow. Well, I, I know that they've got carp tournaments and stuff over there, but, you know, for us, carp is just, uh, you know, a trash fish. And sure. Who, who would I want agree. It? Yeah. It, 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 but it is, one, a huge food source, two, very prolific everywhere, and they're really hardcore fighters, and they just nosedive straight down, and they're, when it's a 50-pound fish, it's a smart old fish, and it's hard to catch them, and believe it or not, as weird as it sounds, they don't taste that bad when you fry them, and, and if they're clean and all that, they're not actually that bad. Well, I know a lot well of you time. know, Matt, I had a guy, a black gentleman once, and he had a stringer of carp when I was going to the university. And I went down to the carp pond and fished because I had to do something. And he had these two big carp. And I said, you know, what are you going to do with them? He says, I'm going to eat them. And he taught me, I was getting friends with him, he taught me how to can them. And huh. in, a, you know, the mason jar and literally yeah. clean them and can them. You can't tell uh, yeah. them the difference between salmon. Wow. What he taught me how to do. Well, they eat them on Good Friday, that's for sure. Every market is uh, everywhere is going to be carp and maybe a trout, wow. but mostly carp. Yeah, and they're farmed. Uh, they have farms, carp farms everywhere all across the country. Well, I, I know that a lot of times if you're hanging around the docks or at the lake or something, the carps will be swimming around. You know, And I don't know how many times they've tried different baits put in front of them. Yeah, and they're not interested. They're not easy to catch. They're not easy to catch. That's true. It's part of the game of the why it's so popular. And then when you do hook them, they're really hard fighters. So that's fun. Uh, and there's a lot of them. So I'm not saying I'm a big car fisherman, but I taught the fishing course in Europe. And I tell you what, uh, big pole, super long, all about the carp, even though I'd rather go for the walleye and the pike and trout whenever possible. The eel 
the eel is really, really good, too. You know, they come out of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. or the Saragossa Sea, um, they, and those are phenomenal eating. You can make it taste just like lobster. If you peel the skin and cut them up like, almost like a snake, fry them in a pan with some oil and some well, onions. Yeah, or, but the, sorry, the, butter. Prob- the problem is it's like a chicken neck. They're all bones. No, it's like a snake. The eel, I mean, I'm just saying that it, it was more like a snake, just one long vertebrae, but mm-hmm. it peeled right off um, if you cook it right. And then smoked eel is a delicacy. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, well, well I like eel. Uh, well, I, I know in Scandinavia and a lot of areas, it's it's quite mm-hmm. popular. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. The, it's good eating. It's fun to catch, but, man, it's the slimiest thing ever, and you can't get that slime off of your clothing. It's almost like a silicone uh, booger. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Well, well an, anyway, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to get out of here. So uh, one more time, give us some contact information. So at, at www.gothunts, that's gothunts.com, Outdoors International. You can Google us anytime. Call us on the hotline, fishing or hunting or any kind of adventure. We can take care of you. We don't charge you extra. It's all paid on the back end. We take care of you just like a client and with the best interest. So Well, it sounds job. like if there's anything anybody wants to do, you can uh, uh, fulfill their fantasy. That's what we do. Make your dreams come true. All righty. We're out of here. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Uh, You're listening to fishtalkradio.com.